Hey, this is Jason Robinson, the pastor of Church of the King, and I'm so pumped up that you're hanging out with us with our podcast today. I pray that God really speaks to you and that you're encouraged and inspired to live your life with everything you have for Him. Hey, I want to encourage you to check us out over at cotk.org. You can go there and learn all kinds of things about us and when our service times are. And speaking of our service times, I would love to invite you so that I could actually meet you personally on one of our weekend services. I promise you, your kids will love it. You'll have a great time and you'll have a blast. I pray today that God speaks to you through this word. God bless you. My name is Jason Robinson. I'm the pastor here at the church. Super excited to be with you guys. And uh, Josh said something about thanking God for warmth. I'm becoming a little too thankful for warmth. Anybody a little hot in here right now other than me? Okay, it's my, okay, just a couple of us. So, man, I got, I ain't preaching on hell. So let's, 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 let's help the folks. So I'm just kind of messing, messing with y'all. Uh, man, so excited to be with y'all. Um, man, what a crazy week we've had here. Um, it is my wife and I's pleasure to be the pastor here at the church. Excited to have all of you um, with us. I hope you guys made out okay. We did our best to get word out to ask if anybody needed help with anything uh, this past week. I, I, can I just brag on y'all for a second? Let me just do that. I want to brag on our church. You know, one thing that happened right when things started uh, happening and pipes were busting in some areas and all that, man, you should have seen just some of the text messages and threads going through of just people connecting one another. I, was, I would hear about something going on in someone's house and I'd call them. And before I even got a chance to like, hey, what can we do to help? They're like, oh, some people from our small group, some people from our church, some people I served with were already here and helped us and we, it's already done. That happened over and over and over and over. And so uh, we've been helping people around us and, and doing all that we can uh, to serve our community. And so a couple of things really, really important. Now, let me go ahead and throw this out there. Uh, we have kind of a general email at our church. It's info at cotk.org, info at cotk.org. If you have an issue going on, and maybe for some reason we haven't gotten to you yet, and you have a real need, and boy, you could use a, really use a hand on some things, man, sh just shoot us a message. Hey, PJ, Pastor Jay, we could really use a hand with some things. Man, we'll do everything we can to serve you guys. Uh, for our church, just so you know this, we take 10%, a tithe of what's ever given in, in our giving, we give to missions, to foreign missions, local missions, benevolence, anything we have. And so, so we have money in the bank ready to help people out that are in need of something, okay? And so we wanna be able to help, we wanna be able to serve. And it's kind of, it was great, because I had a lot of people, Pastor Jay, put me in. If there's anything I can do, let me know. And, and actually, we had more people wanting to help than we had work for people to do. And that's a good problem to have, right? And so that's what we have. Over this next week, by the way, keep in touch with our social media. If you are not on our social media, that's the way we get information quick to people when things happen. And so uh, actually this week, we're looking at more opportunities to serve and help people from food to distrib uh, dis distributing things to them, helping them, uh, whether it's plumbing stuff, whatever's going on. And so please be on the lookout for that because you might be like, I wanna help. Pastor Jay, and if there's anything uh, I can do, let me know. On our social media, we'll be able to get word to you quick so you'll be able to see what's going on. So make sure you're in tune and you're connected to that. So I'm so grateful for the church. I'm so grateful for the body of Christ. And I'm grateful for all that you guys have done. Uh, I really am. So thank y'all for just jumping in there. Sometimes we, we have a big need to give. It's like, hey, let's give because we need to send this to hurricane victims. We send money to Lake Charles when all that happened. And other times we just need, we need boots on the ground. And you guys have been boots on the ground this past week. And so can we give it up for everybody who's just jumped in the whole church, everybody? Y'all been so phenomenal. 
I gotta brag on Billy for a second. Billy's right here. And Billy was hunting in Missouri, right, Billy? Was hunting in Missouri when all this was going on. And so he heard how there was big need going on and it was no parts. People couldn't find parts, plumbing parts, because everybody was just raiding them in uh, Lowe's and all that. And so in Missouri... He went to the store and bought all the kind of parts that was needed that he kept hearing about, put it in a duffel bag, put it on carry-on, and got off a carry-on from Missouri with all kinds of parts from plumbing. And, and Billy got home, and as soon as he got home, he got phone calls, and he was just going all over, and I was talking to people and saying, hey, do you need this part? Billy has this one thing. Oh, my, I mean, you would have thought I was giving gold away with some of these plumbing parts. Billy, thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus, man. Thank you so much for that. It's awesome. Well, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to, uh, we're going to, our main course scripture is going to be in Philippians, Philippians chapter three. Uh, we're starting a journey, a six week spiritual journey together as a church. If you walked in the door and you saw a lot of people were having these books, going, these books here, and you're, maybe it's your first time here, you haven't been for a couple weeks, uh, we have one free for you out there. I believe we still have some left. Yes, we do. On the way out, you can grab one, and uh, we'll make sure that you have this for our journey. This is going to be like our little uh, our compass, if you will. This is going to be our book that, our, that give us the maps of what we're heading towards over the next six weeks. And I'm going to be kind of like your spiritual tour guide over these next six weeks. And really going to focus on is, we're going to focus on, if only, how to live a life without regrets. That's what we're really going to zero in on here. And so over the next six weeks, I want to encourage you. Uh, we don't do this often. We, about every couple of years, we'll do a whole thing together. Now, you'll see here, Stephen Robinson. My name's not Stephen. My name's Jason. But this is my pastor. Now, I'm not related to him. We just have the same last name. Actually, he'll be here in June to preach at our church here. He's, uh, he helps oversee our church as one of our elders, external elders that we have. And so this is something he put together. So as you're going through this, you may see some different things with Pastor Steve's writing where he has his name on it. And so if you're like, oh, who's this Stephen guy? That's, that's my pastor. And so we asked him if we could use it. And he said, absolutely. I'm really excited next year. My goal is next year to do another six weeks where we have small groups. Everybody does it together, and we're going to write our own for the first time. And so I'm really excited about doing that as well. So, uh, so over the next six weeks, I'm going to encourage you. There's really just a couple parts to this. There's three parts to it. Number one is the Sunday service. I'm going to get up here, and I'm going to preach a message that, is, that goes along with everything we're talking about. Six different messages on living a life without regrets. And then our small groups throughout the whole week, okay? They will be going through, and it's all here, right here in this one book, in your little tour guide book. And they'll go over some questions, and you'll actually get to read what's being talked about and the questions that'll be asked so you don't show up at a small group. What's everyone's worst fear? You show up at a small group, and the question of the day is, what is your deepest, darkest secret ever? Could you share it with the, crew, with the group, okay? There's no questions like that, okay? Nothing like that's coming along. Uh, that, but then also there is a daily devotional. So every day you'll see in there through each, in between each week, there's a daily devotional you can read and you can write some things down and it's gonna be a great journey uh, for, for all of us. So my goal is this. My goal over the next uh, six weeks is to really do, do two things. One is when we're talking about living a life without regrets, it's number one, to help you get past your past. I wanna help you get past your past. Some of us, our challenge is, is we're still tied to some things or there's some things or decisions that we made in our past that still come forth and it goes through a filter that's in our lives 
and it influences the way we treat people, the way we act, the way we are. And it looks a little something like this. this ha- I will never let somebody ever again do X to me. And it's all tied to things that are in our past. So we want you to help you, help you get past your past. And the second thing is, I wanna help you live an intentional life. Live an intentional life so that you live life to the maximum, life to the full. Everything that God has for you, I want for you. Everything God has for your kids, we want for your kids. Everything God has for your marriage, we want for your marriage. You know, everybody gets somewhere in life, but not everyone gets somewhere with purpose and intentionality. And so I wanna help you get there, okay? I'll tell you what mine is. I'm gonna give you my life, my life verse, my life scripture verse. It may seem odd that this is my life scripture verse, but this is my life scripture verse. It's in Acts, and it's talking about King David. Acts chapter 13, and this is simply it. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his generation, then he fell asleep. He died. So that might seem kind of morbid to you, but, but for me, I want God to be able to say, and I want him to be able to say, you did everything that I set you on this planet to do, Jason, and then I took you on home. I'd rather go to heaven and God say, well, I'll tell you what, man, you sure tried hard, Jason. Then get to heaven and say, I have all this stuff for you. Why did you let regret hold you back? Why'd you let that happen? And so let me, let me start off by giving a little definition of regret. Let me tell you kind of how, how this morning is going to work. I'm going to spend about the first part of the message building a foundation over the next, for the next six weeks. So they build off of one another, but this is really kind of a foundational part. And then I'm going to dive into how do we respond about a life with regret? How do, how do we respond when regret comes our way? But here's the definition of regret, a sense of loss and disappointment related to past decisions and actions. A sense of loss and disappointment related to past decisions and actions. One of the number one things that we have to do to move forward in life is let go of past things in our life. And so I wanna talk a little bit about that and, and regret. And so we'll talk about some decisions that were made and some decisions that were not made. I was just thinking about regrets. We all have some regrets. And I think about one of my major regrets in life. I was a pretty good baseball player in high school. I loved baseball. Back in the day, they have all these travel leagues now, baseball, softball, cheerleading. You, you sign up for one of those, man. You, you're gonna be busy for the next five years of your life. I mean, there's a lot going on. They didn't have that when I was growing up. I would have loved it if they had that growing up because I loved baseball that much. And so I just loved that. I was pretty good at it. And uh, my, my junior year, I made all, all district and all, is all parish. I'm from, from, New Orleans, from Louisiana area, and that's parishes we call counties here. So it would be all county, all parish where I live. And everybody that was on the team with me, the first team, all that, they all went and played Division I baseball somewhere. Um, but I didn't. And the main reason I didn't was because um, my best subjects in school were socializing and recess, lunch, and PE. Come on, is there anybody in the house of God understand me other than just me? All right, my greatest subjects was socializing, you know, go figure, you know, so... And because I did that, I goofed off in my grades. And this is literally what I did. It's not because I didn't have the ability. It's because I didn't have the, the drive for it. I didn't have the, the discipline for it. And, and I, I remember going to the coach 
And coach saying, I'm worried about your grades, Jason. You're not gonna be able to play ball if you don't make sure you have good grades. And I'm like, well, what kind of grades do I need? Well, you need a 2.0 to be able to play. So guess what I got every year? A 2.0. I didn't get a 2.1. I didn't get a 1.9. I got a 2.0. And that was it. And so I kind of goofed off. So whenever the time came for people to sign, any college that looked at me was like, we can't take the risk. We just can't take the risk with you. And do you know, uh, after that, I, I just figured it was over. I had people come to me and say, man, you ought to try to go walk on at a junior college, get your grades up, and then you could transfer. Like people told, and I never went for it. I never tried. And to this day, I have this one, I wonder if, in my mind, in my, and it's I wonder if I would have applied myself how things might, might look a little different in my life. Now, I know God works all things together for the good. We're gonna talk about that a little bit. But at the same time, that is a regret that, that I have. And so as we look in to regrets, I wanna look in the Bible. When you look in the Bible, all the different people that have regrets, I mean, it's all throughout the Moses. I mean, you can look through the whole, all throughout scripture and you see stories of people who fumbled the ball, but then God redeemed them. You see it over and over and over. People with major regrets, but then God redeemed them in their life. And so, but what, as I start looking, the, the person that jumped out to me in scripture that I wanna share a little bit with you is from Paul, Paul, the apostle Paul. And so I wanna talk a little bit about him. In your Bible, we have, they have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament, two thirds of the New Testament was written by this man, Paul. Now, before his name was Paul, his name was actually Saul. Now, let me give you a little bit about his story behind it so you can understand, because we're gonna look at what Paul says, how do we handle our regrets? And as we look at what Paul says, I want you to give you a little foundation of him so you understand where he's coming from. Now, his name was Saul, and Saul was pretty awesome before he encountered Christ. He was like the LeBron James of the Jewish people back in the day. He really was, he really was, because Jewish people back in the day, if you were, if you were a, a, a rabbi, I mean, that was a big deal. Okay, I mean, it was, it was hard to get to this level of, of talent and ability and all that. And so his name's Saul, and he gives a little bit of his resume in Philippians chapter three. And he says this, that he was circumcised on the eighth day. I don't know who puts that on their resume, but we'll just keep going. <laughs> hey, I noticed your resume was filled out, but I noticed you missed this one question. <laughs> Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that in church. All right. Uh, of the people of it, just jumped out. I'm sorry. Jump, the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. That may not seem like much, but Benjamin was the tribe that produced the first king of, of Israel ever. Okay. So Saul, the first king of Israel ever, way back in the Old Testament, he was the first, and he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Okay. So Benjamin was looked at in, in great light because of that. And it is possible, I'm assuming this a little, maybe he was named that. Who knows what? What happened, but, that, but that's where it came from. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. In other words, the highest level of education you can achieve, I achieved as a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuted the church. I'll get to that in just a second. And as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. This guy was the man. In the Jewish world, he was the man. He, he knew what he was doing. He was smart. He was talented, he was gifted, he was all that. And, but before he became a Christ follower, before he had an encounter with Jesus, he actually killed Christians and threw them in jail. Now, let me give a little bit of context behind that. So Jesus comes 
He dies on, on the cross. The Pharisees are some of the number one people. These are the, 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 the high level. These are like the priests of the time. These are these, that's what the, the Pharisees are, okay? They're, they're the teachers of the law. They're all that. They, they are questioning Jesus. Jesus dies on a cross. Jesus rises from the dead. He comes and he, he establishes the church. They get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and now Christianity is taken off like crazy. They actually, in scripture, they call it the way during this time. That's what they were calling it. They weren't called Christians quite yet. And so, Saul was tasked by the Pharisees to snuff this out, snuff all this stuff that's going on out, okay? So I want you to go and you get it stopped and you see all throughout scripture how Saul would go and he would imprison Christians and the first Christian martyr ever, Stephen, you can see in Acts chapter seven, he is martyred and he's stoned to death right in front and he says, scripture says, Saul was right there. He was overseeing the whole thing. So then Saul has a supernatural experience with Christ, with Jesus, okay? And, and, and now he turns, turns his name from Saul to Paul. Saul actually means the one prayed for. Paul means, means humility or little one is what it means, okay? And so, so now Paul is now all of a sudden a Christ follower out of nowhere. And so now here's a guy, can you imagine through his life now? So, so let me, I'll give you the context for this reason. So here's the same man that has memories and thoughts of killing Christians, killing people in the way, imprisoning them, and now he's trying to win people to the same thing he was persecuting. Now, you gotta remember that it's growing fast, but he probably went into towns, Bible actually talks a little bit about it, where he's like, man, okay, hey, I'm here to help out, and they're like, hold on, that dude killed my brother. That dude threw my family in prison. I'm not listening to him. Or the fear, the Bible actually talks about the disciples were reluctant. Of course, I guess so too. The brother who just killed Stephen over here wants to come have a conversation with you? Nah, I'm busy that day. I don't know about you, but I, I don't think I can meet up. You know, something came up all of a sudden, sorry. And so here he is. Can you imagine probably at times even the memories? You ever have like a bad situation happen and then something, you see something and it reminds you of it? Can you imagine the thoughts that he had to battle with in his own mind? You wanna talk about someone with regret, it's probably Paul. But let me tell you what Paul says about it. And here's our key scripture of the day. In Philippians chapter three, he says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take in hold of it. But one thing I do do, forget what is behind and strain for what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Look what he says, I forget what's behind, but I'm straining ahead. That, that word's important, straining ahead, meaning like, this isn't easy, I gotta push hard for it. You know, so I, yeah, I've been doing CrossFit for a few years. I know you're saying, I can tell, Pastor. Thank you, so anyway, but I was doing, I've been doing it, and, and there's this temptation I have every time that they, they put on there the prescribed amount of weight that you should do for this workout. You should do 185 pounds. My coach is over here right now, so I'm not gonna look in that direction, okay? I'm gonna look over here, okay? And every time we go to start, I pick up that weight, and, it, and if it's too, it's heavy, I'm like, oh, man, I don't feel like doing that. And there's this thing on the inside of us all that it's easy to, to try to go down to the amount of least resistance. 
It's like, you know what? This, this 75 feels good. But the only way you really grow, the only way you really achieve what you're pushing for is a straining, a pressing forward. I'm not saying getting over your regrets is gonna be easy. You're gonna have to do some straining. But when you push through on the other side, there's breakthrough and there's freedom on the other side that I want for you. That's what we want for you. And that's what he's saying here. And then Paul says this that I found so interesting in the next verse, 15. He says, all of us, talking about all of us, whether you come to church for the first time or whether you've been in church your whole life, learned about all this stuff all your life, he says this, those who are mature should take such a view of these things. Let go of those things and push forward. And if some of you think differently, that too, God will make clear for you. I'm praying over these next few weeks, God will make some things abundantly clear. I have a feeling for some of us that we've been holding on to a regret for so long. It's been so hidden that it's just become a part of your life and you don't even think about it anymore. I'm believing that the Holy Spirit's gonna bring it up to you and say, hey, by the way, you don't have to live with that anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore. You have a whole new future ahead of you. I know that's what God has for you in me. So, so here we go. So how to respond to regret, okay? So we're jumping right in. By the way, in your book, there's a spot where you can take notes. I probably should have said that earlier. All right, anyway, there is a spot you can take notes in there. And so, so you can just find it on there. I don't know what page it is. Anybody tell me what page it is real quick? It is page 14. Thank you, church. You show up every time. Thank you. So, so here we are. How do I respond to regret? Let me see. Number one, this, don't play the blame game. Don't play the blame game. My power came on, when did it come on, Wednesday or Tuesday? The first part came on. It was Wednesday came on. We turn on the news to see what's going on. And as soon as I turn on the news, everybody's blaming everybody. Everybody. I don't know about, has there ever been a governing official that ever said, hey, I messed up? <laughs> hey, I fumbled the ball, y'all. I mean, I, maybe, maybe so. Maybe I don't know about it. It's like, it's them, and it's them, and it's them. And then when they interview them, they're like, yeah, you stupid people over here, dumb people over there. And then people are like, oh, yeah, well, them and their mama. You know, I mean, that's just how it seems to be. Everybody playing the blame game, you know? And it's their fault, and it's their fault, and it's their fault. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are some regrets and some struggles that we have to let go of in our past that were done to us. They were done to us. And so I'm not gonna minimize that. But even if something has been done to you, I want to encourage you, don't let it, don't become a victim of it. Don't give the power to that person of what happened. Don't give the power to other people. At some point, we have to just say, you know what? I made the mistake. I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. And I own it. Let me help you, by the way. I know this is really hard for some people. So I want you to repeat this after me. Say, I want everyone to say, say, I am Sorry. Some of you are like, what are those words in my mouth? They taste nasty. <laughs> you know what I found? You get a lot more mercy and you get a lot more grace when you just say, man, I messed that one up. Then if you say, well, uh, uh, well uh, uh, the government did it. No, you get a lot more mercy when you do that and say, hey, I own it. I, I, I accept it. I, I, I messed, I, messed, I messed up and I didn't, I refuse, I want, I'm, I know I, I had to repeat, I want you to repeat one more thing for, for me. I want everyone to say, I refuse to be a victim. You have to refuse to be a victim. I know it happened. I know it stunk. 
I know it's difficult, but you gotta refuse to say, I am, nah, I'm not gonna be a victim of this. When I was in my junior year of high school, uh, I told you, I told y'all how excellent I was with my grades and how much I focused on it. Um, you know, my English teacher, my English teacher told me that this is important, okay? Talking about regrets, talking about somebody saying something to you, somebody doing something to you. My, my English teacher came to me and said, you know, Jason, I've just learned, you know, here's the deal. You're just not good at English and you'll never be good at English. And some of you are saying, I agree 100%. I've been listening to you for 15 minutes and I agree. <laughs> you need to repent in Jesus' name if that's you, okay? All right, God looks at the heart not the sentence structure. All right, anyway, moving forward. <laughs> but you know, for years I remembered that. And do you know when I would get up to speak, I, I so didn't trust what I was saying. I, I mean, I literally had said, okay, I'm writing this email out to everybody. Can y'all read this? Because there's no way on the planet earth this is right. Because, because of the words that were spoken over me. And here I am speaking in front of people all the time, insecure about the way I'm talking and actually self-deprecating, making fun of myself because I'm trying to get you to have some grace with me because I'm scared of what you're really gonna think about my English. I did that for years. I did it for years. And now, as a staff, we'll get an email ready and I'll find things wrong with it. Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord Jesus. There should be a comma right there. It should be a comma right there. But at some point I had to refuse because that little word, well, then I can't speak. I can't look at writing our own stuff for next year. I can't do that. And it would hold us back from, it hold Jason Robinson back from everything I'm supposed to do. But I refuse to be a victim. I'm gonna grow, I'm gonna strain forward, I'm gonna let things go by, and I am going to move forward. This is what Paul said. Every one of these responses, these scriptures I'm about to read uh, uh, under each one of these is what Paul said, the guy we're talking about here. He said in Romans 8, 37, he said, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You went through some stuff? I know. You're more than a conqueror through Christ. Well, I mean, I've been struggling through these things. Okay, you're more than a conqueror. By the way, I'd be good with just conquering. If they say, hey, you're a conqueror, I'd be like, that's right. He said, you're more than a conqueror. Come on. I like that. You know, I mean, I'm more than that. You're more than a conqueror. You're not, you're not a victim. You're not a victim. So number one, don't play, play the blame game. How do I respond to regret? Number two, don't make your regret your identity. Don't make your regret your identity. Now, I'm gonna do some work now, okay, as your pastor. But I'm, really, I'm, I'm gonna do everything I can to help you. When we have a regret and we internalize it and replay the regret over and over and over, it becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. By the way, fear is faith just in the opposite direction. When you exercise faith, for God to move in a powerful way, things happen because God is moved by our faith. But when we exercise our faith on everything that could go wrong is gonna go wrong, guess what? Something's gonna go wrong. Now you've taken that regret and when you internalize it and replay it over and over again, regret, now watch this, don't, let me, don't stick with me, don't lose me, I don't wanna lose you. That regret turns into shame. 
Let me tell you the difference, because regret is attached to your behavior. Hey, you did this, you shouldn't have done it, it's wrong, move forward. Shame speaks to who you are. Now, you went from I made a mistake to I am a mistake. And I believe there's so many people, some people who've been walking with Christ for 20, 30, 40 years, walking around with a deep sense of shame in certain areas in their life. And it, is, it has held you back because it has defined you and it said, this is who you are. Your regret is not your regret, it's who you are. It's your identity. And it speaks to you and it tries to build that shame and that shame in your life, it will, you walk around just with no confidence when you walk around with shame. You have no confidence to walk in God. You have no confidence to walk in faith and, and, and it just zaps all of it. And I don't want you to walk that way. And that shame tries to come. Now, now I want to take a moment, and this is really important, because we take, can take it on as our identity. And I've seen people uh, do this before. Like, well, you know, I got a temper, Pastor, but I'm Irish, so that's the way it works. Oh, Pastor, you know, I, 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 I'm, it's just who I am. Can I, I, I'm going to challenge something, okay? I'm, a, I'm Pastor Jay, and I love you, and I am your friend. Now, I only say this, I, I, I really, let me pastor you for a second, okay? And I really wanna do this, in, do this gently with respect, but at the same time, I wanna expose something that I'm really concerned about in our culture and particularly in some of our younger generation, okay? Is this, okay? I know anxiety and depression is very real. Very real. Uh, it, I've, throughout my family, a lot of people in my family have experienced, a lot of really close friends have experienced it. And even uh, some close pastor friends of mine have really struggled with it. But there's one little thing that I, I, I want us to tweak. And I noticed this in the language a lot where someone would say this, because your words are powerful. Remember this. This is what I've heard a lot of, my anxiety, my depression. Pastor Jay, hey, hey, hey just my anxiety is... I wanna just, let me be your pastor and encourage you for a second, is this. Don't identify with it. You've just, you're accepting it and making it a part of who you are. I believe God wants to help you break free and climb out of that. I really believe that. The Bible talks about renewing your mind with the word. I really believe as you renew your mind with the word, that I'm not saying it won't be a struggle, and this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying the reality of it is, is you won't feel it anymore because you may still feel it. But there's a big difference between, hey, I'm struggling right now with some anxiety and hey, my anxiety, the person of who I am is here right now. And you've identified with it as opposed to exposing it like it's a challenge of mine. Because I understand anxiety and depression is a challenge for a lot of our generation, it is but don't own it. Don't let it move into your house and make a bedroom for it. I struggle with it, but I'm not it. Is that okay? I love y'all. And I want you to win. I want you to win. And we're gonna believe that God, you know what, I understand it's a challenge, but I refuse to be a victim and I refuse to accept that's who I am. God has more for me. And I'm gonna believe that God has freedom for me on the other side. 
This is what Paul said in Romans 8, 1. He says this, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He does not condemn you. He does not say this is who you are. That this is what you've done, but God forgives you, and now let's get up and let's keep moving forward. How do we respond to regret? We respond by, we don't, we don't blame others. We also don't internalize it and identify with it. Number three, we can do this. You can repurpose your regrets. My final point of the day. Repurpose your regret. You know, regret usually has a negative connotation on it. But you know, regret can also be a catalyst for something positive. It can. I'll I'll just give you some examples. I I wrote some down here, but let me give you uh, just a few. I know people in here that you had a major struggle with something. Then God helped you break free of it. Now guess what you're doing? You're going back and helping others. I could just, I could just think, I could name some of the stories uh, that are out there that are even in this room that I know the stories of where you struggled with something, you broke free, and now you're helping other people break free. That thing that was a regret is now being repurposed in your life. And so now you can use it for the glory of God. Look what God did for me. He can do this for you. It says in Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite scriptures, you'll hear it. If you come to this church, you're gonna be like, this, Pat, this brother uses this scripture all the time. You're right, I do. It says that God works all things together for the good, for them who love him and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean all things are good, but it means God takes that and he uses it all for your good and his glory. And that's what he wants to do. Any regret that you have, you surrender it back to God and say, God, I surrender this to you. I wanna break free of these things. I wanna move forward and he forgives you and he breaks you free of things and then you can begin to experience all he has for you and repurposes. Because sometimes our greatest pain can turn into our place of purpose. Sometimes our greatest pain can turn into a place of purpose. I got so many stories I could share with this, but I wanna share this one. There's a story of a, a gentleman, uh, Dave Ramsey, you may have heard the name. If you've been around the church world, he's like a guru in the financial realm. And so uh, Dave Ramsey, matter of fact, one of his books, I didn't even know it was one of his books, but I was 18 years old and I graduated from high school. And when I did, I was given a bunch of different things that you give on graduation. Somebody gave me a Dave Ramsey book about how to handle your money. It's the funny, I didn't even know that's who it was. And I was, I was intrigued. So I started looking through this book. It was like the third book I read throughout all of high school. I wonder why I was so good in English. All right, anyway, so, so I'm looking through this Money Matters book and it's starting to just real practical things. And do you know, to this day, my wife and I do things financially that put us in a healthy financial position personally. And by the way, puts our church in a healthy position as well off of things that I read at 18 years old in one, in one of these guys' books. Let me tell you a little bit about him. When he was 26 years old, he was a millionaire. That may not seem like as much nowadays as it was this back in the 80s. And, but he was in debt over $4 million in debt. And because of that debt and him trying to work through all the debt, he almost lost everything. Lost his house, lost his, he lost almost, every, almost lost his marriage because of the debt that he was in. And when he was at the bottom of the barrel, about to lose everything, trying to hold on to even his marriage, he just asked the Lord, he said, I, I don't know what happened here but I, I, God, will you help me figure this out? 
it set him on a journey. And this is what he says to figure out just simply, how does money work? How does this whole thing work? And a devout Christian loves Jesus following God. This painful time turned things around. He's like, God, help show me how this works. And I don't even have figures for you because it's literally millions of people he's, he's helped. Now, now, I know not everybody loves, loves all his principles and stuff like that, but, but he's helped so many, just millions and millions of people. Matter of fact, uh, one of the things as we develop our, our small groups this semester and we get in even into the next semester, uh, one of the things I'm really looking forward to, we've had a, small, a couple small groups that were financial, small groups called Financial Peace that comes off of this gentleman. And maybe even if you're, by the way, if you're in a real financial struggle or you're real, like you're just out of control with how, learning how to deal with your money, you come let me know and I'll get you one of those books for free. Okay, to try to help you start moving forward. And it all comes, and all of this come, came. He's helped millions get out of debt, get a financial plan going. All these things, all of this came out of a place of pain, a place of regret. I wonder who in here today Maybe you have a place of regret. It's time for God to expose. It's time for you to, to let that thing go. Strain forward. Yeah, it's what you did, but it's not who you are. Some of you need to hear that. Maybe even online, as you're watching online, somebody online, I just want, it's what you did, but it's not who you are. Don't internalize it. Don't be a victim. Let God heal that. Let's move forward. And let's trust God to do great things, amen? Over the next few weeks, we're gonna be unpacking forgiveness. We're gonna be unpacking a lot of things and we're gonna help you get to your place of purpose. And I can't wait to see the journey of all that God does in the middle of it. I'm gonna pray for you, but before I pray for you, I wanna do this. Man, maybe you're here and maybe someone drugged you. Maybe somebody said, hey, listen, if you come, I'll bring you to Lupe's after. Come on, that's, that's a, that's, look, if you need an evangelism strategy, there it is, all right, I just gave it to you. I'll feed you, I'll come, you know? So, but here's the thing, maybe you're here and it's your first time or maybe it's been a while and you're hearing about all this, God, we're singing, you know, praise the Father, praise the Son. You're hearing about scriptures that are really practical. You're hearing about this guy, Paul, his name was Saul and he had an encounter with Jesus and it changed everything. What does that really mean? I, I'm going to be honest with you, Pastor. I really need some type of encounter right now. What's going on with me? But you can have that before you leave here today. Let me, let me just lay a couple things out for you. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 uh, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's what you're feeling right now. You're feeling the weight of that sinfulness and that struggle. But hey, don't feel bad. We all were there. We all were there. And and in Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin, so what the payment is, what it costs, is death. That's why you're feeling that. That's why you're feeling the weightiness on you. But here's some good news. The scripture goes on to say, but, but the gift of God is eternal life. That word life is pretty awesome, by the way, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In John 3, 16, it says, so God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him, you won't perish but you'll have everlasting life. There's that word again. Maybe you've not been experiencing life, but life doesn't come from the word life. It comes from a person named Jesus. And you can surrender your life today to Christ. He'll forgive you of all your sin. Pastor, all my sin, all my sin. You wanna talk about regrets? 
He'll take those regrets. And the Bible actually says this. He takes our sin and he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. How you like that? So when you go to God and try to remind him about what you did, he already forgave you. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I chose to forget about that. Wow. Well, I'm in, Pastor. What's all this about? What do I have to do? Revelations 2, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's Jesus talking. If you open up the door of your heart, he'll come and live on the inside of you. We do that today. So I'm gonna ask this. Would everyone just close their eyes? Because I don't want to embarrass anybody. What I'm gonna do is if you're here and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, but you wanna do that before you leave here today, I'm gonna say a prayer for you. That's it. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand, stand up, come to the front, nothing like that. But I do wanna pray for you. I do. This will be the beginning. You wanna talk about the greatest, if only, the greatest no regrets. Right now, we're right in it. And what I wanna do is, I just wanna pray for you. So I'm gonna count to three. And when I say three, if that's you and it is your first time, I am gonna ask you, if you would just look up, look at me real quick and put your head right back down. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. And I'll pray for you after that. If that so if you're here, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, but you wanna do it before you leave here today, would you look at me in one, two, three? Anyone here? I need to surrender my life to Christ. Anyone here at all? I see you, man. That's awesome. You can put your head back down after I see you. Anyone else over here? I want to make sure I don't miss anyone here. I see you, sir. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to say this prayer. And if you looked at me just now, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. But I'm actually going to ask everyone to repeat this. We're going to come together, come around you, and sing this prayer, say this prayer with you right now. Let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning, and I need you. Forgive me for my sin. Come into my heart and take my life. I give you my past, my present, and future. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give a hand for all those people who said that prayer? Awesome. Why don't you guys stand up? I'm gonna pray a a prayer dismissal over you and let you go. I wanna say this. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're like, man, I wanna jump in. I I caught the first part of the journey. You can go online at cotk.org. We have all our small groups there. If you need any assistance, any of our team will help you get connected. If you're not sure what group to get in, we wanna help you with that as well. We have plenty groups going on all week long for these next six weeks. We wanna get you connected, okay? But let me pray for you. Father, I just pray right now for your people. I thank you for them. Thank you that your favor is surrounding them like a shield right now. God, I thank you that your spirit's going before them in all things. And God, I'm asking right now, even some, when I started talking about regrets, something began to bubble up in their hearts. But the reason it bubbled up in their hearts is because, it's because, God, your spirit's wanting to let them know you don't have to live with this. I pray right now they would release that in Jesus' name. They would just take it and say, Jesus, I give that to you. I just let that go right now. And I let it go and I'm gonna strain forward and I'm gonna be free and I'm gonna walk with no regrets. Not that I'll never have regrets ever in my life, but I'm gonna walk with a life that's purposeful and intentional. I thank you for your people, God. I pray your spirit would be with them today. I love them. Keep them safe, Lord God. Help us be the hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbors around us of anything that they may need, Lord God, and that we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory for all you do in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen and amen. Can we give the Lord one last hand before we go? We love you guys. Y'all are awesome, and you are dismissed.